Well, Merry Christmas to Bethany Church. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. The scripture reading this morning is found in Luke chapter 2, verses 21 through 52. This is a finishing up of Luke's account of the, uh, of the birth of our Savior. Luke chapter 2 at verse 21. <clears throat> and at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons." Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was twelve years old, they went up according to custom, and when the feast was ended as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey, but then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, 
Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Bob. Let's ask the Lord to bless his word this morning. Christ, it's fascinating to see your growth as a boy, a real boy, even though Almighty God, Everlasting Father, you became a real human who grew in wisdom and favor and stature. And so, Lord, as we hear the story, as we contemplate a bit about your truth and the gospel in these two little stories, may you grow us too as we wrap up a calendar year and head into another year of, of life on this earth that you've blessed us and given us, Lord. We remember that you have called us to live for such a time as this, like you always have your people. Which means we acknowledge that you prepared us and you will prepare us for the season you want us to live through, whatever 2023 brings for every individual in this room and this church. And so, Lord, grow us in wisdom and stature and favor with each other, with our community, with our world as we seek to share and spread the light of Christ, not just at Christmas, but all year. So, Spirit, come now, even as you did to Simeon and Anna, with your truth and your words. And bless us with them as well. In Christ's name, amen. amen. So kids, remember, you can go back and get some hot chocolate or adults too if you want, or cookies throughout. It's a little more informal today. We won't be watching or take offense at that. Just want you to be here and be comfortable. And I think there's some coloring pages as well for you back there. Um, but let's start. We wrap up Luke's Christmas account of and, and Jesus' birth and childhood narrative today in Luke chapter 2. What I love about this passage today is that it demonstrates it all, all demographics. It crosses demographic lines. It's got something for everyone in it, for all ages. To the faithful old saints, if you consider yourself in that category today, I'm not going to put you in your category, you can do that. But to the faithful old saints, Simeon and Anna, and their example of kind of faithful continuing to get after it, in the, even at the latter days, at the final days of their life, saints that were living and finishing their race well, Simeon and Anna will look at today. To the faithful and obedient parents, and maybe if you're a parent today or even grandparent, Mary and Joseph, in the story so meticulous, weren't they, about, and pious, about making sure to, to follow the Jewish customs and laws and to raise their boy, Jesus, in the faith. How about kids? You're here today. There's something for you in this story today. We're going to talk about Jesus, the 12-year-old boy. Some of you were close to that. Some of you were 11, 10. Some of you were 13. Some of you will. You're B12 someday, right? And he discusses his purpose for being on earth. But what he's also doing today for you kids, he's modeling for you, he's modeling and showing you that it, as children, it's never too early. You are never too young to be seeking to know who God is and to intimately know him as Jesus, the 12-year-old boy, did. He's asking you and showing you the same thing. 
Well, this Christmas morning, we finished the birth accounts in the Gospel of Luke by hearing about the purpose of Jesus' birth from the two old saints to the mouth of Jesus himself this morning. And in these accounts are contained the core truths of the Gospel, which we hold so dear here at Bethany Church, and of the results of the birth of Jesus. And they are Jesus' salvation is the first, and that change and growth are possible because of this birth. Transformation can happen in your heart and in your life. It's those two core truths we're going to look at for just a few minutes this morning. So if you got it, hopefully you got there an outline. We just got two points this morning, a little shorter message today. But we want you still to grab something from this message and from the scriptures. Hopefully you got them both open there to jot some notes and thoughts, whatever the Lord strikes you with today. Let's look at these two core truths together. Here's our first one again. To see Jesus, to see him, is to see God's salvation. To see Christ, the Christ child, the Messiah we call him, is to see God's salvation. Our first story takes place in the natural rhythm of Mary and Joseph's faithful life as Jews. Kind of like you're here today. It's the natural rhythm, isn't it? We could have canceled church on this morning because we, you know, ah, well, you know, it's Christmas, people want to be at home. But no, this is our natural rhythm. This is what we do. And I'm glad we didn't because we're full this morning in here. I'm so glad we're here. It's the natural rhythm of our life to gather as God's people on Sunday. And sometimes we gather during the week in different small groups. Sometimes you gather with a friend from church or another Christian from outside another church to grab coffee during the week. We have natural rhythms of life. Mary and Joseph did not upset, their, upset theirs and turn theirs upside down with this new baby who was this incredible surprise and incredible prophecies about him. No, they went and did the pious, godly thing they were supposed to do in the natural rhythm, the life of a Jewish family. Luke's being very careful here. He wants to point out to us that Mary and Joseph, they observed all the ceremonies, all the temple visits and sacrifices that a good Jewish family would. And they go, he says, first to the temple for this purification after the birth of, of Mary. Now, normally it would just be the, the, the woman who would go for purification, but here we have both of them. They went for it, probably because Joseph had to help with this birth. Remember the unique story. They're out away. They're not with her mom. They're out. They're not with Mary's mom. They're out in Bethlehem or not near their immediate family. And probably he was the midwife. So he too went along for this purification, right? Present Jesus and dedicate Jesus to the Lord. Luke's also reassuring us that Jesus did not come from either a rebellious family, as many wanted to, 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 to label him as a rebel, but one who loved Yahweh and approached Yahweh seriously, and just like his parents and the other Jews did, by going and being presented to the Lord. And that Joseph and Mary raised their boy that way. Luke's wanting to reassure his readers. Parents, there's really immense value as we think about this story of the parents taking Jesus into church. There's really immense value today. I would say even of having our kids in the worship service, whether they're coloring the whole time or sucking on a candy cane the whole time or just here and maybe doing other things and not really even hearing much, it's good for them to be here. There's value in just getting them through the door and the place where the people of God gather. 
And Joseph and Mary show us that. Be encouraged today, parents. Be challenged today, parents. And maybe some of you even are watching online today. There is great value in setting up the rhythms of your life, even in the midst of crazy sports schedules, to be here. And I would even challenge you as Mary and Joseph are disrupting their life and traveling to the temple, which would not be an easy ride for them. I will tell you, their ride, their ride to get to church was harder than even the ice was last night for us. I guarantee it. It wasn't close. They didn't have a car. They didn't have transportation. Whatever the weather was, whatever they had to wear, they went. They got there being challenged, but also encouraged today because there's fruit and blessing in them taking him there as we see, there's eternal value in it. Being part of a community, as Joseph and Mary were with Jesus that day, of people who love and follow Jesus together. We see, don't we, as parents, we see this one thing for sure. We all see how valuable it is to make sure our children are taken care of physically, right? We take them to their checkups. Lots of us get them vaccines and make sure they eat healthy most of the time. Not all the time, but we try to, right? No less important is their spiritual health, that they be around and immersed in the people of God. Whether it's Sunday school or youth group or camp they go to or just being in the service as we have them every Sunday morning in here, there is so much value in that. Habits form us, don't they? Habits form who we are. There's a great book written many years ago called Habits of the Heart. Robert Bella talked about how the habits of us as a secular people are pulling people away from transcendent big things. He wasn't necessarily a Christian, but he got still the fact that habits form and shape our hearts and who we are. The habit of taking Jesus to the temple or our kids to church has great value. And as it was in the day of Mary and Joseph, as Jesus went to the temple, that they were blessed by doing it, weren't they? Did you see in the story? They're blessed by this day of attendance. Imagine if they would have missed this day, this, this Sunday for them. They meet these two older saints as they travel there in the congregation, Simeon and Anna, divinely, providentially provided by God, not only to be a blessing to the congregation that day, but a blessing to those parents as well. Simeon and Anna give us a picture of, I think, what it looks like to retire well, to finish well, to live into old age as a faithful saint and follower of Jesus Christ. They exemplify how one can live a life of surrender and faithful obedience, sometimes maybe even more in your latter years even, as we grow, as we mature Here's, here's a takeaway for us. It's never too late to point to Jesus because that's what they do in this moment. As they bring the baby in, they are pointing. They are signposts. They are big flashing neon arrows pointing to this baby who's come. They give us this picture that it's never too late to share the joy that he brings you because that's what they do in their final days. Well, where the shepherds were there earlier in Luke, to kind of show us the, the everyday person, the everyday man or woman in the life of the Jewish community, the average guy on the street. Here, Simeon and Anna represent aged elders in the, the, the congregation who are totally sold out for the Lord's plan. Finishing well. 
It's a question people get asked sometimes, and sometimes it's later in life, and sometimes they put things on tombstones. And, and the question is, how, how do you want to be remembered? How do you want to be remembered when you are gone someday? For some of us, that thought is a lot closer, isn't it? The reality of, of coming to the latter years, the twilight of your life. For some of us, you're just beginning your lives. A lot of our kids and some of our youth I see out there, you're just kind of beginning your life. But as you come to the end of it, and once you pass on from this earth, how do you want to be remembered? Simeon is described as one who was so committed to seeing God's promise come to pass. Whereas Anna is described as a lady who gets really excited about redemption. That's Anna. We want to boil it down. Get, get, she got really excited about redemption and spending time with God's people. Did you catch her life? Every day, all day. That's just what she lived for. To be around the people of God. And not just her biological family. And same for Simeon. There was something here that even for Simeon and Anna superseded even their family relationship. Which is why it matters we gather on Christmas Day. Because as important as your biological family is, and they are important, and they should be a primary place of care. I would say that Jesus challenges us, didn't he, in his own life even? Who are my mother and brothers and sisters? Who are they? It's the family of God. And that didn't mean that he hated his mom literally. No, 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 no. But the way he loved the Lord, his father, and the way he wanted to express that to those who also loved the Lord, whether they were bio or not, would compare as you looked at just a natural earthly bond with, of a mother and child without the Lord in it, it would make it look like hate. It, it, that's how much he just loved the Lord and the family. And Simeon and Anna, we get a picture of that with these two. That it supersedes and transcends even the biological reality of their family. Simeon had been given a strange revelation from the Holy Spirit. A strange kind of secret message to him. Well, it didn't, well, it didn't stay secret. We all have it now. But he got this message from the Spirit that he wouldn't die until he had seen the Messiah. Until he would place eyes upon him to see Jesus, as our first point says. He wouldn't die until that. Often people in their final days of life, maybe when they're on their deathbed, they hold on to life until a loved one gets there who's traveling in from out of town to visit. And, and then they kind of feel like they're finally able to let go and die. You've, some of you have experienced that with some loved ones. Experienced just a couple weeks ago with someone who passed uh, in the life of our church. She held on until her brother got there from Idaho. And 20 minutes after he got there, she passed. Simeon was to hold on until Jesus came. To hold on to life, to hold on to living, to hold on to being with God's people until he placed his eyes on the Christ child. Imagine Simeon in that moment. He maybe was ready to go home. As some people get in the end of their life, they know the Lord. They're ready. They're prepared. They're ready. They know, they know their future. Well, here Simeon picks up the one-month-old Jesus. Kind of like I do it at baby dedication. It's a little image of that in some ways. Simeon picks up Jesus here, the baby, and he says to see Jesus is salvation. Look at verse 29 to 32 again if you've got Luke 2 open. These are the words he blessed, 
the Lord and Jesus with, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. You won't die, Simeon, until you see him. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Peace he finally has. Rest in peace, isn't that the phrase that has been used historically? Rest in peace. Simeon picks up Jesus and his peace as he sees him was not his external accomplishments. And he was an old guy. Wasn't his bank account. Wasn't his resume. What was it? I think it was an internal sense that salvation had arrived on earth. He said it in those words. My eyes have seen your salvation. He said to him, you won't see death till you see the Messiah. And now here Simeon makes the prophecy. Oh, it's come true. Salvation is in my hands. Can you imagine that? If you had had a moment to hold the baby Jesus. His peace was the eternal assurance that God keeps his word. He was still alive and now he was holding the Messiah. I wonder how old he was. Maybe we'll get to heaven and find out he was really old for the common lifespan at that time. His peace was an eternal resignation that the day of his death was in God's hands too. Think about that one, those of you who worry about your death. He had a peace that the day of his death was even in God's hands. And it was an internal joy that Jesus was for all people. Everyone in this room, every head in this room, Every person leaning back on a chair, sitting in this room, he says Jesus was for all. Not just the Jews, but his words, direct words were a light for the Gentiles. And thank the Lord that's true because that's probably all of us in this room. A light for the Gentiles, the text says. Simeon has met Jesus. And this piece shows us that everything else in his life pales in comparison like we talked about last night, every gift he's ever received, whatever that favorite gift you thought of last night if you were here, I asked you to think about. Whatever that gift, gift was, what Simeon had now makes everything else pale in comparison. Like Paul in Philippians, indeed I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake even, I've suffered the loss of all things. What does the Lord ask you to lose this year? This past year, as you think back and take stock on life, everybody think about that. What did he ask you to lose this past year? Maybe it was the respect of a loved one. Maybe it was the status at work. Maybe it was actually losing a loved one this past year. What has he asked you to lose this year? What will it be in this coming year? Maybe it'll be a piece of your health or a piece of your body that starts to go. Or a relationship or a certain amount of status of income? What will he ask you to lose this year? Kids, maybe, maybe this year it'll be your first time you, you know, you get an F on a test. If that happens, you're going to lose something. Something will be lost. You'll have given something up. The Lord does allow things to come in our life. As Paul said, but I've suffered the loss of all things for your sake and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So even if we lose good things, and I'm not saying don't pursue good things, 
Pursues, you heard that right here, parents, okay? Just to make sure you heard that. Pursue those good things, but if you happen to lose them, if the Lord takes them away, will we be able to, as Simeon held the baby in his arms, the Christ child, will we be able to say, as Paul said, I can depart in peace now. I have what I truly need. And count them. It's really, comparatively, garbage to Christ. Simeon encouraged the young parents. They must have, when they heard these words, like, what? This is just, their minds were swimming probably. Like parents getting up when the kids come in at 6 a.m. on a Christmas morning. You're swimming. Your mind's like, where am I? What are, what are we doing? Oh, yeah, Christmas. Their minds were probably swimming. To see Jesus is to see God's saving of the world. It's our first, first truth. What do we take away from these two old saints? Well, here's a couple things. Contentment's not a matter of age. Contentment is not a matter of age or energy level. These two saints were old or even physical health, and yet they're so contented in their words. These two people are in their final days and they still serve God. They're open to his leading and sharing of God with others right down to their final day of life. This is a great moment for meditation and reflection as we head into the new year. Every one of us now, like Simeon and Anna then, where will God want you to serve him in 2023? And who will you serve in 2023? How will you speak more of him in 2023? Will there be a risk he asks you to take with someone or in some setting of your life, as Simeon and Anna did? And how will you gain more contentment in him in 2023? I'll tell you, in 2023, the world's probably not going to offer you more contentment. Knowing the, our audience, our crowd, who we are, what we value, what we hold dear to maybe, the world is probably not going to make you more content in 2023. It's just good to be honest. But that doesn't mean any less contentment is available. And actually, there's more available to you if you know Christ. How will you be more content with him in 2023, as Simeon was, he held the baby at the end of his life, as Anna was in her final days. Even if, as Simeon said, following Jesus this year feels like a sword being pierced in your side. 34 and 35 verses, look at them with me. Simeon said to Mary, Simeon blessed them, and he said right to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, Mary. So the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. So the good news came to Mary and Joseph wasn't all fantastically uplifting, was it? It was mixed in there with some bitter reality for Mary. And for us too, Jesus is a sign opposed. So if you follow him in 2023, if you speak for him in 2023, you may face opposition. And if we're not, and I think of myself included in my life, if we're not, I wonder, am I speaking up enough for him? If I never have ruffle any feathers or have any waves in my life, if I'm more concerned with just peace, niceness, and being liked, maybe I need to be stirred up a little bit. Jesus is assigned to be opposed. He will be opposed, and so will his followers, too. 
He said, if they hated me, they will hate my followers. Doesn't mean we intentionally try to be hated, but we want to be faithful and stick to God's truth. He's a sign opposed. There's no neutral ground, that means, when it comes to Jesus. There's no neutrality. There's no mushy gray area with Jesus. There's no mushy middle or center. No, you're either for him or you're against him. He divides with his claims and words Simeon has in this prophetic word. He divides with his claims and words. Why is that so hard? Why is Jesus so divisive? Do you know why? It's not that hard to just put on a religious exterior external and maybe do a few things or jump through a few hoops or be kind and, and, and say your please and thank yous. Here's why Jesus is divisive. He wants the very depth of your core. He wants your inner you. He wants yourself. Your heart is the word the Bible uses, which means not only does he just want you just to put on airs, he wants you to be absolutely devoted to him in your heart, which is your will, which is your desires, which is your motivation, which is your feeling and thoughts. It's the causal core of who you are. That's why he's so divisive, because when people finally hear that, he wants all of me? Well, nothing could be worth that. All of me? That's why he's divisive. And he's exclusive. But here's the truth. Sometimes it can even feel like a sword in your soul, like it did to Mary. The crucifixion was coming. Imagine her watching her baby boy in the manger and thinking, wait, all those angels, all that big giant plant, and this is the road it leads to, the cross? This doesn't feel right, Lord. This doesn't feel like the words that Gabriel said to me. Here's why we can go forward and do it, even if it feels like a pure soul in 2023, because the Lord isn't going to ask you to do anything in 2023 that he wasn't willing to do for you, and infinitely more so. Do you know that? His soul was pierced through for you. He was always about God's business. He said it in our next story we'll see in the temple. He was willing to speak up about God and salvation. He's asking you to do that. He's done it. He was faithful to the rhythms of the Jewish life. He did it. He's asking you to do that with the church. And he's willing to be run through, not only with nails, but with a sword in the side, but also a sword in his soul. Father, you've forsaken me. Where are you? Where are you in this moment? As he took on the punishment you and I deserve. He's not asking to ask you to do anything in 2023 that he hasn't done for you also, but infinitely more so. That was the purpose for the baby in the manger, to bring us back to the Father. It's our second core truth. Kids, how many of you ever gotten lost before? Here it is. How many of you ever gotten lost before? Raise your hands, anybody? Yeah, quite a few of you, actually. It's not a fun feeling, is it? It's not fun. Joel got lost last week. (laughs) Yeah, we've gotten lost. You have. You're probably hard to lose, Eve. <laughs> that was Eve, right? Well, here's our second point. We're going to talk about this idea of being lost. Jesus brings us into relationship with God the Father as our Father, so you and I, we too can grow in wisdom, stature, and favor with God and man. The first point was one of our shortest. I want our second to be like the longest ever, so there it is. Well, some of you kids have gotten lost. I know that. Either in a store amusement park. We lost one of my brothers at SeaWorld back in the 80s. That was not fun. Or out shopping with mom. Many times I got lost in the middle of a 
roll of fabric at the fabric store. I was in the middle of these, these reams of fabric. I'm, where are you? I was in the middle of the itchy fabric in there, squirming around. Well, here we've got a story of Jesus not just getting lost, but his parents losing him. Can you imagine, parents and grandparents, what was going through Mary and Joseph's mind? God entrusted us with the Messiah, Joseph. What are they thinking? And we can't even keep our, our, our tabs on him. Can you imagine if God would have come to Joseph and, Joseph, where is Jesus? I don't know, God, I lost him. You see, what Joseph and Mary didn't know in this moment of this story is that Jesus actually wasn't being disobedient to his parents or even careless. He was doing what he had to do. Look at verse 49 with me. And he said to them, well, why were you looking for me? Did you not know? I must I must be in my father's house. He had to pursue God, his father. He he, he had a a job. He had to grow in intimacy with the father. Just like you kids have a job, like all of us. Kids, look at me now for a minute with your eyes. You have a job to grow. And I shouldn't describe it as job because it's actually a really all positive thing to grow in intimacy with God. You adults in 2023, I must, we must be about the Father's work and knowing him. Pursue God, grow in knowledge and intimacy with his Father God. He wanted to increase in wisdom. Jesus wanted to increase in stature. Yes, he is divine nature, but he also had a true human nature that grew. Jesus didn't come out of the womb picking up a spoon, being able to feed himself. Somebody had to teach him. Somebody had to feed him. Somebody had to wipe him and change him. He wanted to increase in wisdom and stature and grow. And even at the young age of 12, 12 now, he realized that his relationship with God, our teens in here today, he realized that his relationship with God even transcended the relationship to his earthly parents. For a lot of you teens, do you know what relationships first and foremost transcend the ones of your parents? Your friends. All of a sudden, our parents, our grandparents know this, right? All of a sudden, friends take priority. And you're left going, wait a minute. She's not 18 yet. He's not 18 yet. They're not out of the house yet. What about me? What about us? Jesus had this really perceptive wisdom that he knew that what transcended first and foremost for him always, which should be for all of us, was his relationship to God. It's his relationship to his father. Even at that young age. And so here's what that means. Our kids, you can learn about him. You can learn deep things about God. And you also have one who loves you even better than your earthly parents as a heavenly father. But you have to invest in that to know that. You have to find about him and who God is, whether it's through reading Bible stories, books your parents give you, scripture, coming to Sunday school. You have to grow to know that and to experience that too. If you don't invest in it, you won't experience it. Even kids can. Jesus did. Kids, it means that your priorities matter too. Your priorities matter even right now as a teenager, as a youth. Not just when you become an adult. What do you give your time to? And kids, you are to obey your parents too. We're called to be about the things of father and and they come to him and, and he said, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? It's not disrespectful as some might maybe have thought. 
As Luke lets us know in the next couple of verses, Jesus submitted to his parents as he went home. He obeyed. He obeyed. He knew God had given him his parents for a, re- a reason. Parents, God gave you parents because he loves you. I know that it doesn't always feel like they know best. And sometimes they don't. Sometimes they make mistakes. And when we do, hopefully we ask forgiveness and model for you forgiveness and repentance and what that looks like. But I will tell you more times than not, they do know what is best. Jesus modeled that by submitting to to his imperfect parents too. They're not perfect, but they do love you. You're called to obey as Jesus did too. But that's hard at many times, isn't it, kids? Isn't it hard to obey sometimes when you really want something you really want? And mom and dad are in the way of that as a roadblock. But that's not just for kids. Isn't it, adults, isn't it hard too to sometimes to obey? And sometimes I feel that every other priority but my Heavenly Father's priorities are what is occupying my time most. And my thoughts. And my resources. But here's this great truth and the one that should make us all thankful at Christmas time. The baby grew. He grew into a boy, as we see here. And he didn't give up on his father's mission. And he grew into an adult. And 30-some-odd years later, he grew into a savior, who was a man who was all about the father's business all through his life. He perfectly did that. So that when you and I realize those times when it is hard to obey, and times when we absolutely flat-out don't obey and disobey, that baby grew and died. Mary's soul was pierced through with a sword, His disciples scattered and pain came. What started so simply in a manger became this chaotic scene as they flee, but they came back together. He brought them back together. He gathered them back together because he resurrected. The truth is, as Simeon said, he's the light for the world, to the Gentiles. He's the savior of all. And even in heaven too, he's all about the Father. Even now, he's still all about the Father. As a 12-year-old boy, he went to even now a ruling and reigning eternal Savior, all about the Father. Jesus is still about the things of the Father. What did Paul write in Romans? He's still at the right hand of the Father. Here's the good news. Who's going to condemn you in 2023? Somebody's going to. Somebody's going to point a finger. Somebody's going to bring down a hammer of shame upon you in 2023. Somebody, maybe even the enemy himself, is going to come to you in 2023 and tell you, you know what, you don't measure up. You know what, why do you even think you're secure with the Heavenly Father? Do you think you actually have salvation? You're not good enough. 2022 was bad enough. Look how you started 2023. Somebody's going to come to condemn you in 2023. And when they do, bring this verse to mind. Romans 8, 1, the beginning of this chapter no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, or this one. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. That's what we claim. More than that, who was raised. That's what we claim. Who's at the right hand of God. That's what we claim. And what's he doing there? Interceding for us. It means that right now, you have a heavenly father who is absolutely predisposed in good pleasure and joy and kindness with you. Do you think about him like that? Can you think about him like that in 2023? Then when God looks at you, can, could you possibly hear a voice and see a face that says, I love you. I'm glad I made you. I am pleased you're on the earth. I'm glad you're my child. I'm pleased that you exist. I love to see you live for me day after day. Can you live that way this year? 
That's what intercession means. God will never be disposed to you in total punishment, terror, or wrath again because the baby grew and he paid the price. Let that sink in this year. Let that bring you joy this year. Sitting in the place, ruling, and saying to the Father, he, she is mine. If you're one of his children, if so, live like it in 2023. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for these little stories, these little vignettes of your early life that show us that even as a boy, you were faithful. Even as a boy, you remained sinless. Even as a boy, your face was already getting prepared to be sent, set as a flint towards Jerusalem, as the gospels say. You had a purpose, you had a mission. It was to die for us. Yes, you taught the greatest wisdom ever. Yes, you healed, and one day you'll do that for all of us. But in that first visit to earth, Christmas was about you setting your face hard and pure and fast and steady towards the cross. Because that's where the greatest gift was unpacked, unfolded. As a temple curtain was written, as we tear a package open, heaven was opened up to us. So Lord, bless 2023 for us. Let us live because joy has come to the world. May we sing it now and believe it now. Joy has come to the world. Whether you ask us to depart today, tomorrow, or 5, 10, 20, 50 years from now, if we know you, we will depart in peace. So in Christ's name we pray, amen.